1: Hello and welcome back to Ausbeers, Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. I'm David Koch. Thank you for joining us. And uh, it has just gone past midday Eastern Standard Time. And of course, that means it is time for the call. 10 stocks, two experts, 60 minutes as we race through the stocks that you want to know more about and have some direction. And we're delighted to have on our panel today, Claude Walker from A Rich Rich Life almost said a rich wife, Claude. Would that that match up? Well
2: thanks for having me. Maybe not yet, but one day I hope so.
1: (laughs) And Rudy Philip Van Dyke from FN Arena. Rudy, good to see you as well. My pleasure. Another interesting week in the markets. Uh, Let's get straight into it. The 10 stocks in 60 minutes. And uh, first up, let's kick off with you, Claude. MNF, uh, a telecommunications software services company. What do you think of them? Okay.
2: Now, their share price was already down a little bit uh, based on their most recent results, which you can see in the chart there. And I thought they were a little bit overvalued, and I was actually looking to buy them around $3. And lo and behold, uh, that's actually pretty much where they dropped to in the sell-off we had last month. And I, I used the opportunity to pick up some shares. It was one of the few companies I did actually buy. And then they announced that they're actually doing quite well because of all of the extra demand for services like Skype.
1: Yeah, they'd be one of the really big beneficiaries of it. So around that five fifty-four mark, are you still inclined to uh, uh, pick up some stock in it, or wait for it to come back um, into the mid threes again. If it yeah, does. so I'm
2: not. Yeah, so I'm not buying it right now, but I regret not buying more because uh, now we've of course had this confirmation that they are actually seeing good demand. Now, because they're just the wholesale provider, they don't get the really great. Uh, margins that are potentially open to providers like Microsoft and Zoom. However, they still benefit from that extra uh, traffic that goes over their network, and they are essentially just as important, if not more important, as they always um, have been. So overall, I'd actually say this massive shift to working from home is a long-term uh, mm-hmm. paradigm shift that should benefit uh, MNF Group. And as a result, I've actually bumped up my buy price range to up to about three fifty. And I'd probably start snapping up shares around there if it gets down there in, as, as the economy digests these massive measures we've had to take.
0: Okay, all right. Rudy, what do you think? A little bit less enthusiastic than, than Claude, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, there's, there's, there's broadly taken three category stocks in the share market. And, and the second one is the one that's on my radar, which I don't necessarily buy, but I do follow them. And yeah. uh, maybe if they get bigger over time, I might actually get interested. And, and MNF is one of those. Um, a couple of observations to make. They do have the narrative. They do have the management team that is widely regarded as, as of good quality. Yeah. Somehow that hasn't translated in, in uh, fantastic returns for shareholders. I mean, If you look at the share price over the past four years or so, it essentially moves sideways. Uh, yes, of mm. course it goes up and down every day, but it hasn't really moved in four years. So, I don't know exactly why that is, but what I do know is that amongst small cap professional funds managers, this is one of the stocks that's almost every time mentioned as, we like it, we have a part of it, um, I, I'm suspecting that it, they like it because it hasn't really performed yet. They're all waiting for it to break out, out, yeah. out of that pattern. The other thing which, which uh, I can't help but noticing is that the, the average daily volume in the stock is actually quite low. Uh, which makes me always question, I mean, I, I'm assuming that someone like Claude doesn't have problems in, in buying some shares. But I always question like, how do these fund managers do it, yeah? Because the worry is not the getting in, but if the day comes that you want to get out, yep. you are almost by definition going to clobber the share price, right? Right. Um, So, I mean, the narrative is there. Uh, they should actually benefit from those long-term trends that we're all doing more online. Uh, but I do not know exactly why thus far that hasn't really translated in, in the share price. It has done much better. Right, so they took advantage of that. So for Claude, it's a buy
1: around the 350 mark. Rudy, uh, not so enthusiastic mm-hmm. about it. Um, our second stock to look at today, uh, probably the the blue chip fund manager, I suppose, in the in the sector, if you're looking at, at fund managers um, in terms of Magellan. Uh, Rudy, what do you reckon of Magellan?
0: Maybe a thing to emphasise here, and I I think not many people realise this. Yes, Magellan is the best performing fund manager that we have in Australia listed. Um, But that's because they have a particular style of investing which is is different from what Perpetual does, Pendle Group, Platinum, whatever. See, these guys don't buy cheap stocks. They buy stocks that have a structural trend that that gives them the benefit of, of having growth many years ahead. And that particular style of investing is, is the style that, it, that has worked in this share market. Yeah. So I think investors need to realize that this is not necessarily a call on the market as such. It's a call that stocks like Microsoft and Apple will do better than a BHP and a JP Morgan. And that's essentially what that investment style yeah. embodies. If you believe that's the case, and I, I am on that case, then Magellan, of course, is the fund manager to own in the share market because you don't want to go for the cheaper ones because the cheaper ones are having capital outflows and customers leaving and everyday frustration that their cheap stocks are not outperforming. So um, I guess Magellan, before we had the sell-off, got a little bit hot under the collar. The share price got really high. So it looks like it has fallen a lot, but if you exclude that one, it's basically back on the level where it was before. Right. The market got too excited, yeah um, and you just have to I mean of course, I mean the team at Magellan will do whatever they do they can 't do miracles if the share market goes down, it goes down, yeah but um I believe structural growth is still the trend to go here, and that means Magellan will remain the best fund manager we have
1: okay so you like it as a, I a don't stock and yeah, portfolio?
0: personally i I don't like owning fund managers myself, yeah. Uh, but uh, if you want to own a fund manager, you this own, you own Magellan. Yes. Right, okay.
1: Um, Claude, also they have sort of, a, if you like, a brand superstar fund manager that attracts a bit of a tra- um, attention within Magellan
2: too, don't they? Yeah, so, I mean, some people joke that uh, Hamish Douglas is almost like Jesus. I don't know yeah. if to say that. <laughs> uh, but he is uh, clearly a bit of a hero to uh, aspiring fund managers in Australia. And look, I think if you just look at those, uh, month, those uh, March uh, numbers for Magellan, they only uh, saw their fund go down about 6%. So that is testament to the strength of this business, which of course Rudy was highlighting. Uh, do I agree that it's the best one to own uh, on the ASX? Maybe not but I definitely think it is one of the best ones to own. And if I was inclined to invest in large fund managers, I would definitely own shares in Magellan. As it happens, I tend to go for smaller ones. So for example, if I owned a fund manager, I'd probably look at say Australian ethical, but you know, this is such a great business and and its style should continue working in my opinion. So I definitely think it's a high quality stock for for people to look at um, if they want to own a fund manager
1: um let's go from fund managers to gold miners um and resolute mining uh major gold miner mines in in australia and africa claude what do you reckon about resolute
2: well i think the first thing to note is that um in february they closed uh their purchase plan sorry so they did a capital raising just before all of these troubles hit which is really good timing for them they actually uh, managed to raise shares uh, raise capital of dollar ten, which is higher than the current price So that's very lucky um, And on top of that they have you know a, a cost of mining the gold that is very attractive in the current climate Especially when we're seeing uh, gold prices go up Having said all that. I, I probably got two points on the negative side uh, First of all, I don't like the uh, exposure to um basically having to mine in africa they've actually have a dispute with the mali government at the moment and that's the sort of risk that it's really hard to quantify and and really hard to figure out you know how you should discount the stock because of that and then the second thing is i already find say investing in gold which i should uh, say i do own some gold um but i already find that a little bit on the speculative side and then when i look at you know you've got all of these issues around execution with uh, Resolute itself, it's almost as if there's speculation on top of speculation, which I find a little bit too difficult. So for me, I prefer just own gold if I want exposure there.
0: Okay, ready? Yeah, I'm. I'm in broad terms, I'm, I'm completely on the same level. I mean, I, I think people don't have to understand that if you buy gold, you can use that as a hedge or as insurance in your, in your portfolio. If you buy gold producers or gold explorers, you take on extra risk because you can't take on the company specific risk. There's two things that like, I want to point out here, on top of what, what Claude just said. The share market Australia is one of the countries for gold producers, mm. with Canada. I mean we have lots of them. I mean it's yeah. one of the one of the broadest commodity sectors we have, and that makes us quite unique. Um, the the sector has really performed really, really well in Australia. You can you can make an argument that most of the stocks that performed well are already pricing in a continuous a rising gold price. price, So if that doesn't happen, those shares have to come down more than the gold price in itself. And also the upside might somehow be limited because they've already priced in further rises. I'm assuming that people are now asking about resolute mining because they haven't really performed in that that same period. Mm. That is the wrong conclusion to draw as a, as an investor. You don't go and go. Like, oh, which which stock hasn't performed? Yeah. The market is very smart in figuring out why certain stocks don't. Because have, investors don't perform. would think,
1: yes, it's ah, a laggard. Yes, exactly. It's gone under the radar. Exactly. No, that no.
0: and
1: and the market is so, so sophisticated. Mar- and so many people. The market. There's a
0: reason. No one
1: goes. No, under you the radar. have
0: you have to you have to ask why they haven't yeah. participated, and it's yeah. probably because of the Mali uh, problem. Yeah. I mean, I've traveled through Africa. I know what mining in Africa looks like. Yeah? Yeah. It's not like in Australia, yeah? <laughs> to say the least. Yeah?
1: Well, whether it's Africa or, or PNG oh, absolutely. or... absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Philippines, You're adding right? you add that government risk, aren't
0: you? Yes, absolutely. Oh yeah, there's, there's brown paperbacks going on the table all the yeah. time, right? Yeah. And, um, and that might not be the only reason, but in, in general terms, if you have a, a stock that really lacks the rest of the sector, don't immediately think oh opportunity you have to ask why why is that one not performing and the market is is very good in reading those out
1: right okay all right so a no for resolute and uh claude what what rudy is saying sort of just adds to your comments doesn't it's it's almost that that sovereign risk is an extra filter you don't really need when there are so many other opportunities available
2: yeah well that's exactly right and look, one of the areas of advantage that you can get as an investor is to be better than other people at understanding hard to quantify risk uh but for me understanding the risks around a, a, a mine in africa when i don't even have the, access to the mine i don't have access to the people running the mine um it's just so difficult and I don't need to. I don't need to give
1: myself a pass that is that hard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep, life's too short for that sort of stuff. Is it all right? Yep, fair enough. All right, let's move on to our next doc. Um, back to the the tech software, where business technology one an enterprise software company, fourteen offices around the world, fifteen hundred people. Um, really, is a pretty how, big company. How much time
0: do we have? Ah, That's <laughs> Probably my favorite stock in the share market after CSL. And this company is, is absolutely fantastic, right? Um, survived the meltdown of the NASDAQ in 2000. Yep. And since 2004 uh, has grown very consistently at double digits each year. Yep. With the exception of one, it only grew by 7% and the share price got clobbered. Right. That shows you how the share market <laughs> thinks about these things. But I mean, if there is one stock in the share market that, uh, that you can put safely in, in your portfolio and don't look at, that technology one would yeah. be that one. Right. Know? Why? What makes it so good? It's a combination of the, the number of customers. It's a combination of the type of customers and, and the relationship uh, that the company has. You have to realize they service uh, universities, governments, local governments, uh, TAFE institutions. Uh, those, if you if you if you take care of of that type of customers very well, yeah. then they stay on board. Yeah, I think the retention. So they're big
1: sticky customers. The
0: retention rate is something along the lines of of ninety eight percent or so. Yeah. I mean, they they lost a, a a council of Brisbane two years ago, or whatever. It got smeared out in the newspapers, with this big scandal. But if you sit on the sidelines, you go, like, gosh, this is one customer. Yeah. I mean, and if you read the the, the, the commentary a little bit. It was sort of like, I think, I think it was more the council that, that, uh, that was in, in the wrong than the company. But It doesn't really matter, it's one yep. customer. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing is, of course, that all those customers have in the, in the past been serviced um, on the premises, and they're now moving into the cloud. And, and whom are they relying to? To Technology One, because they've been doing it all this time. So yep. to be able to grow your, your business by, by double digits every single year is quite extraordinary. And the reason why, why they haven't had more um, attention because of that is because they are not as, not as large as a CSL, which is now the, I mean, the largest company in the market. They are now finally part of the S X 200. Yep. And they're not growing at a similar pace as, for example, a Y-Stack or, or a Zero. So they don't attract that attention, but they also don't attract that large of a premium. Yep. And see, this year, for example, we, we, we have our bear market this year. There's, there's, it, there's something like 22, 23 stocks out of, the, out of the index are positive for the year, and Technology One is one of them. Right, okay. And that's the reason why you can just have that in your portfolio, and it just I mean, it just churns out, it pays some dividends, yep. and uh, over time the share price is a lot higher. Good management team, executives? It's, if you have a great business, it's much easier to be a great management team. Right. And this is the first management team past the founder, and uh, so far, they're doing mm-hmm. a great job.
1: Okay. Sticky, big customers, uh, which is good for re- recurring income, which these companies are all about, Claude.
2: Yeah. Well, I think uh, fundamentally I agree completely with Rudy, although I come from a different perspective. He's talking as someone who, I guess, has been recommending this stock for years. It's not one that I've actually uh, managed to ever buy shares in, and it, but it is on my list to buy... Uh, if if there's a big sell-off. Uh, now I think that uh, w- one thing worth noting as well that he did not mention is it's currently, as I understand it growing its sort of software as a service revenue at a fairly steady clip. but at the moment uh, that is less than half its total revenue. so I wouldn't say that the market is valuing it on that. However, if over the next few years it keeps growing that uh, SAAS revenue quite quickly, I think we'll see the market start to think of it more as a, a software as a service stock and potentially even give it sort of a revenue multiple-style thing. So there's some re-rate possibility there. Having said that, I'm still being a little bit greedy and I didn't quite jo- drop to where I wanted to, to buy it in the sell-off last month. Uh, but you know, at, at around $5.50 for me, it looks like a, a very, very good uh, option. And I would be happy to become a shareholder one day in this company. I I do think it's very high quality.
0: Okay, so here's the the dilemma that investors always are struggling with and people like uh, Hamish McDonald at at Magellan has much less problems with that and and myself as well. If you buy a stock like CSL or or Technology One, people who only want to buy in when the stock is cheap are by definition never going to be a shareholder. These stocks are so good that they will always trade at a premium. It has to be an exceptional situation. We even had to sell off this year that both of them did not become cheap. So basically, if you're saying, I can only buy these stocks when they're cheap, that basically means I can never buy these stocks. You have to accept that a Ferrari costs more than a Volkswagen, and so you pay more for for a premium stock.
1: Right, okay, so you'd be
0: buying it at this price now anyhow? If, If a company grows at double digits every year, Yep. The price almost doesn't matter, the share price will be higher in the future. Right.
1: And what about that move to being a SAS company? Uh, yes, a SAS yes.
0: yes, that is, and that is something that uh, might happen, but that I don't, even, I don't even bank on that one. I'm just banking on the fact they will continue growing in double digits. Right. That means the share price will be higher in two or three years from now. Right. If they get that on top, I mean, I'll be laughing even more. Yep, okay,
1: all right, big tick from Rudy, uh, tick from Claude around 550. So,
0: Miss <laughs> he's never going to buy it.
1: <laughs> maybe that, maybe, that might maybe be put a out. buy on. Uh, maybe bu- put that a buy on a, halfway between. <laughs> All right. OK, um, that's an interesting one. Um, our Stock is an ETF, uh, Betis Shares uh, Asia Tech Tigers mm-hmm. uh, ETF, uh, invests in Asia's top 50 tech companies. Uh, Claude, how do you rate this? Well, this is a little bit different,
2: of course, because we have to look at the, fun, uh, the constituents of uh, what it is. So some of the companies you might have heard of uh, are Tencent, which is an uh, amazing uh, sort of games company that also owns uh, shares in uh, a bunch of other applications uh, that operate in China. Uh, but, you know, it has a Fortnite or has a, a portion of Fortnite, which is mm-hmm. an enormously popular game around the world. not remember. You've got Alibaba, um, Samsung, and, uh, you know, a bunch of other ones like Tmall as well, the smaller marketplaces in, in China, Taobao, I'm not sure if I said that correctly, um, but essentially you have a great exposure to online shopping in China, which you would imagine it's probably doing quite well at the moment. Uh, on the downside there, I guess, you know, uh, these many of these countries, including China, don't have such good uh, governance and regulatory uh, laws as we do in, in Australia. So... There's an additional layer of risk there that makes me rather cautious. Uh, having said that, I think because of that risk that I just described, actually, an ETF is probably a reasonable way to try to get exposure to these companies, and I'd say that's the biggest uh, biggest point in favour of, of this particular ETF.
0: Hmm. Uh, ready? No, I, I think I disagree a little bit. I think it's it, it all comes down to what you want to achieve as, yep. as an investor. If you're trying to emulate Technology from the U.S., which has Facebook, Apple, uh, Google, etc., then this is probably not your ETF. The Asian technology is much more cyclical, much more based on um, hardware and and etc. I mean, the third largest constituent in this ETF is TSMC from from Taiwan, which I happen to know quite well because I used to cover Philips Electronics, and they founded that company long time ago. (laughs) But anyway. So basically what you're buying in this, in this ETF is four large constituents. You have Tencent, you have Alibaba, you have TSMC, and Samsung. Yeah? And then the rest is, is quite small and is, is, I mean, it, it's very, very cyclical. We're having a recession. I mean, so I, I'm assuming that this ETF is going to lag the broader market and, and because I mean, it's a recession. Right? Yep. Um, so even if the likes of Tencent and Alibaba would surprise to the upside, you're probably better off just having them directly and then you can buy them because they're listed in New York. Um, so it depends on what you want. I mean, it, but on, the, on the other end, if, if your aim is to uh, buy into the recovery post-recession, the then, I mean, they are very cyclical, so they, they can jump quite, quite high. But I think yeah. it's quite early for that. Um, but I think, to emphasize what Claude said, when you buy an ETF, you should pay attention to what's actually in there and not just buy on the label because...
1: So, a mixed result there from uh, from the panel in terms of, uh, of Beta Asia Tech uh, Tigers. Uh, we're halfway through the call. Just a recap on the stocks that we've, uh, apart from uh, from this uh, latest ETF so far, MNF a no from Rudy, uh, yes from Claude around the 350 mark. Both of them like Magellan, no to Resolute Mining um, and could we say Rudy's the, a fanboy of uh, Technology <laughs> One? Yes. Why not? Uh, Rudy is a fanboy of Technology One. Uh, Claude, not so much, but around 550, he could joy, join Rudy's bandwagon, if we can put it like that. Fair enough? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our sixth stock out of the 10, let uh, Let's uh, another gold stock. Uh, just recently raised 98 million dollars, uh, gold exploration and development company, uh, Darcy & Gold. Uh, Rudy,
0: and I'm assuming it's here on, on the on the similar basis as the previous gold stock. It hasn't Resulted. performed. Right. It hasn't yep. performed. Um, it had to recapitalize recently. Yes. See, to me, it's uh, I mean um, too many too too many stuff going on there in in the negative. Um, just the fact that it hasn't performed and it had to recapitalize. This yeah. is obviously a, a company that, uh, that hasn't performed um, that very well. And, and then for me, I don't know enough about it. I'm, I mean, I, I'm not a geologist. I can't go in, and I don't know how they, how they run the operations. But that to me already, it, it, as I said earlier, we have a plethora of gold stocks on the share market. You can make, yeah. you can make great money with the likes of Evolution Mining, Northern Star uh, and others, Newcrest uh, under certain circumstances why you would go out so far and try and try to find one that is a laggard and might at some stage pick up yeah. um for me it's a five-year
1: uh, I mean, five chart
0: yes exactly got, So you, w- you, would simp- you, you would have simply lost there. money yeah you simply would have lost money
1: yeah yeah to even uh the end of last year was still in the uh the mid two dollars um claude what do you think what's happened
2: well, i might put the I might put the boot in even harder, actually. So <laughs> two observations to throw on top of that. First of all, this is trading, I think, at twenty percent above uh, the recapitalization price. So you're, if you bought shares today, you are actually paying significant premium on what you know ninety eight billion dollars worth of investment paid you know just a few weeks ago. So you're really paying a lot. But and what what have they done in those few weeks? Not well. I would I'd venture not a whole lot. And then secondly. Let's just focus on the fact that this thing was uh, not trading on the ASX for about two full months earlier this year. So I don't know about you, but when I buy uh, an ASX listed company, my expectation is that that will remain listed and trading. And so if I wanted to sell shares at whatever the prevailing price was and and put that capital somewhere else, I'd be free to do so. That is not the case if you're um, not trading for two months. And for me, that's that's a very, very serious black mark against the company.
1: Yeah, and it's had, it's had no bounce after the crunch at all.
0: Now, coming on from, from Claude, you know, Warren Buffett says you should only buy stocks that if the share market closes for 10 years, you still want to own them. Eh? Yeah. Like in this case, they might actually close for 10 years and you don't want to own them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Claude, I, don't think, I think you put the
1: boots in with studs on then. So um, basically a big no from, uh, from both Rudy and Claude for Darcy & Gold. Let's move on to uh, another company that I didn't know much about, a cloud channel software company called uh, Ripe, R-H-I-P-E, the uh, ASX handle RHP. Claude, do you know much about them?
2: I've followed it for quite a few years, although I admit uh, as the share price ran up more recently, I I did lose interest a little bit. I think uh, sort of the, the key thing to remember about this company is that it is reselling um other companies products primarily microsoft and they're doing so in i think australia new zealand and and southeast asia increasingly so that can be uh, a very good uh, uh, business model although longer term i do have some questions about their relationship with microsoft and whether microsoft would be happy for them to be outrageously profitable Mm -hmm. having said that the company is profitable and since it's been listed on the ASX, it's developed its business sufficiently to become profitable, and which is always a good sign. And actually, if you look at its most recent half, it also generated free cash flow. So I was a little bit surprised to see it uh, raise capital in the current environment, because I would have thought they would say, oh, we're gonna be fine, we're selling software um, that's mission critical to other businesses. And now they say they've decided to raise uh, capital so that they can pursue acquisitions, which might make sense. Still a little bit uh, surprising to me, given that they generate free cash flow, but uh, it's definitely one to watch. But I haven't quite got my head around that strategy uh, ultimately.
0: Okay, yeah, I guess it's another example of, of putting everything on one label. I think um, my experience going going back to to uh, to to, the, to Europe uh, many many moons ago is that so- software resellers they usually don't perform that well. Over a long period of time, uh, they they can do so temporarily for, for a while, but over time they don't. And there are obviously this particular part of the of the of the industry is very dependent on on how how much businesses are willing to spend. And when you do get through a recession, yeah. that's why I think they, they got a little bit worried. Is that businesses go like, well, maybe we can just postpone it for a while, or just put it on a freeze, or or not spend it. And um, so these companies can be very cyclical. And um, and I know these guys are, are trying to um, expand into new geographies and all that, it's all well, but the share price, again, if you just look at the share price, there's a story there that investors are at the very least very skeptical about the outlook for this company. Having said so, if I read analyst research, everyone who covers this stock is positive about it. Mm. Um, but maybe sometimes that's a worry as well, because maybe that's simply because the share price isn't performing and that's easy to Be positive about the share price that hasn't performed, yeah. Because right. you, you tend to think, like, oh, it should be much higher, yeah. And there comes a positive view, yeah, But we're maybe gonna, but we're
1: going to get in early because yes. we know the inside story, and maybe. Yeah. And
0: also, like, it's just too cheap. But then cheap stocks can remain cheap for a very long time and, yeah. and can become cheaper, yeah. Okay. And so, um, if I had to choose, I would choose technology one anytime over RIPE. Right. But, but I agree with Claude, it's, it's maybe good to have it on your radar and just see what these guys are going to execute uh, mm. over the next few years.
2: Yep. For what it's worth, I'd, hap- I'd, I'd happily buy technology one at current prices over Ripe at current prices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have oh. converted him. I yeah, have converted you have. Him. yeah. <laughs> but, well, I mean, know, technology one and, and Ripe actually on similar PE ratios, but uh, as Rudy said, you know, one of them has a, a massive history of really good growth, and the other one's reselling another company's products and. As, as Rudy says, you know, that, that can be tough over time because why is Microsoft going to let them take the lion's share of the profit? I don't think it'll happen. Okay.
1: All right, Rudy, your challenge is to make Claude, you've got 21 minutes to turn him into an out-and-out fanboy of technology. One. All right, let's move on. And uh, our eighth stock on the call today, uh, dairy business, a famous dairy business, um, dairy processing, manufacturing, and a distributor, bigger cheese, but also, in the news recently for peanut butter uh it took craft to court and uh actually won claude so uh it was an interesting case wasn't it on the on whether they could call it peanut
2: butter uh yeah um that that sort of uh wrangling is um probably a distraction from the the sort of the core the core business of so crunch whether it's uh, smooth and crunchy peanut butter and all this stuff. I understand it's important to a uh, fast-moving goods company, but I think uh, at the end of the day, uh, the, the real issue for uh, Bega is that it, it is essentially in a tough business against big players like Kraft Heinz. And it's probably worthwhile, uh, if, if you were thinking of buying shares in Bega, it'd, it's probably worthwhile se- stepping back and, and thinking about whether you want to invest in the competitors to these massive uh, global companies, or whether you'd actually prefer just invest in the in the competitors themselves. Uh, now, me personally, I wouldn't I wouldn't invest in in any of these companies because it the it's just uh, not a good enough business to my mind, and the long term um, share price performance will sort of tell you that. And I hate to hark back to it, but you've obviously got a history with. Um, bigger of having some extremely questionable management a few years ago um i can't remember the exact details but i'm, I'm pretty sure that there was a uh, uh you know police involved in um uh, having to deal with some of the pages of, of senior leadership of that company so uh I, I really wouldn't i wouldn't touch it uh under any circumstances
0: um, I'm actually good. a little. I'm actually a little bit disappointed because I'm the only non-Australian here on this table, and I'm the only one who has to point out now. These guys own Vegemite.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, what is wrong
0: with you guys? Yeah. Right? <laughs> so actually, they, they, Vegemite, and peanut, and peanut yes, exactly. So yeah. actually, they're not a dairy company as such, but well, they don't want to be. They want to be yeah. a food company, and that's why they have now have the other products alongside. But um, I have to agree with Claude on this one, and I don't know if it's a a great minds think-alike thing or just coincidence, (laughs) but even outside the bedroom, size does matter. And (laughs) and these guys, they have a vision, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're gonna gonna succeed in building out that vision and becoming a great Aussie food company. Um, Similar as with with some of the companies we've we've discussed earlier, like Ripe and, 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 and some of the other ones. When you're small, sometimes the size does work against you. Like, it's easier. People always say, it's easier if you make a dollar to double it to two dollars. It's true, but it's easier also to fall back to 70 cents again. Mm. And that's what these companies often do. Um, So, and and, 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 and you can't ignore the fact that um, milk, dairy, it can have its its, um, ups and downs cycles quite quickly. Agricultural uh, cycles go quite quickly. Um, Now, they obviously try to, Compensate for that by having peanut butter and, and, and Vegemite, which should be less cyclical. But I think that at the end of the day, uh, it's the power you bring to the table when you yeah. sit around with Woolworths and Coles, and and it's it's similar. When people ask me about Aselio Care, for example, I go like these guys operate by the by the fact that Kimberly Clark or Pro- Procter and Gamble just represent more firepower. Yeah. I Means you are you are the small guy, yeah. and that has its risks. And yeah. and 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 if you look. I agree, if you look at the share price performance from bigger over the years, it's not great. No, it's
1: no. Not, not attractive at all. But Claude, a lot of investors would say, hey, A2 Milk, because it's got milk in it. That's a dairy business, uh, has been going really well. Is Has bigger just got its model wrong, or has not been nimble enough to open up the, those export markets and, and do the same as a2 Bellamy's for a stage there as well, um, probably Buds, yeah. even though it's in goat, goat milk rather than, than dairy. But, you know, it's in that similar vein that the beaker has just missed out.
2: Well, yeah, so I think that you're asking the right questions there. But I think the key differentiating factor is about uh, creating those brands that people will pay a premium for. And that is what A2 Milk has done so very well. Now, you can argue till you're blue in the face about whether there are actually any advantages of uh, having A2 milk over regular milk. But the point is that a lot of people believe there is, and they're willing to pay more for that. The same is true of Bellamy's with their organic branding. Like I, I confess, when our little fellow was on formula, I mostly bought Bellamy's just because I like the idea of uh, giving him organic milk rather than regular milk. Now, I, yeah. I drink regular milk all the time. Yeah. I've got nothing against it. And, that, and that, was um, your,
1: that was your first child. By the time you get is, to yeah. the third, you won't give a stuff about organic, just whatever's <laughs> to <years. laughs> That's what all new parents uh, do.
2: Uh, well, I'll probably be very <laughs> sleepy by then. But, uh, yeah, so I think it's just having those uh, high-powered brands and, and not having to have uh, too much capital tied up in other things. Right. Now, uh, we buy a bigger cheese in this house, except it's not getting our, our big dollars when we're spending money on cheese. Like occasionally I'll buy a nicer cheese and it's not bigger cheese. And that's probably the company that's getting a better margin from selling cheese than bigger is. So I think just being in these sort of okay brands, it's the same with peanut butter. Look, um, my little guy eats a lot of peanut butter now and, and he'll have whatever kind of peanut butter I give him. So there's no reason that I would ever buy one brand over the other. It's just not that high-powered stuff. Yeah. Those infant formula brands, yeah, you yeah. know, when you're a brand-new parent and you're like, oh, I want to look after my <laughs> kid as best as possible, that's when you're spending the extra money on the Bellamy's or the A2 milk.
1: Yeah, and, but then the uh, criticism of A2, Rudy, yeah. is that it's not a producer. It's just a, a great marketing organisation. It is, and I think they're a- a producer.
0: Yes, but, so uh, but that, that doesn't it's a, as- but yeah. a terrible market. well what we are what we are underestimating is that A2 milk has done a an incredibly fantastic job, and they, they the, the CEO there obviously is very, very good at marketing right. and you're right. and this is a mistake that investors often make is that they don't appreciate how exceptional well one company has done its mm-hmm. job. And then automatically assuming because another companies in the same sector they they should be able to do to replicate it sort of it. goes
1: back to claude's comment exactly. at the start of of iffy management well over it, the,
0: that 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 too that's that's true exactly because but but like at one stage you you mentioned that there's many one um the name is bellamy's i mean yeah. that for a while they kept track with a2 but Ultimately, it folded and it had to be yeah. bought by the Chinese. yeah. yeah. Again, it, it just, and, and, and Blackmores tried and had to withdraw from that market. Yeah. So it's not as easy. And A2Milk, people for, don't, shouldn't underestimate this. The, the Chinese market is incredibly uh, competitive, and so is the US. Mm. The fact that they, that they uh, keep their position there, and they only have something like 4 or 5% market share, but the yeah. market is that large. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're, they're up against the likes of Unilever, yeah. you know, right? not, not small guys, you know, right? And they, yeah. they, they do an exceptional job, and you have to appreciate what an exceptional job some companies do yep. and not automatically assume go for a cheaper alternative. Yep. You know? and,
1: and back that management to keep doing exceptional. Absolute, well, absolutely. Absolutely. Got, got right? track record. And certainly with, with A2 Milk having that Australian brand after this pandemic, Brand Australia will become, and the way we've handled this, yeah. will become even more powerful yeah. in China. I
0: also note that we, we now have adopted uh, the New Zealand company, formerly known as A2 Milk.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, all right. Just like, <laughs> ju- just like Russell Crowe and Crowe's house. Yes. You know, it's, they're like a... They're or like
0: zero? A, or like, zero?
1: Yeah, they're like a state of Australia. Uh, A2 makes a profit, though.
0: But also, <laughs> that's true, but also, but also very, very, very opposite here as well. A2 Milk is trading near an all-time high, yep. and so is a Technology One. Yep. So th- there, was a, there was a common denominator here. I mean, these guys hardly yep. noticed the sell-off. Yep, and see so a sell as you said before. Yes. All right, uh, great
1: discussion that, on that on the sector as well. Our ninth stock, uh, Metcash, of course, uh, owns the IGA uh, supermarket chain, Might attend, I think. Another hardware, home and hardware, I think, yes, Shane? Yes, yes. Um, Rudy, really the, um, the Coles of the world, the Woolies of the yes, world, going yes. gangbusters. Yes. Same with Metcash?
0: Um, no, uh, I think Metcash benefited a little bit because we had uh, another German retailer pulling out of Australia not yep. coming in. That probably saved them, I think. Uh, but I think in general terms, it's a, it's a similar story as I would regard with the likes of a Coca-Cola Amatil, for example. When the market goes defensive, money, money flows into those stocks and, and they hold up for the time being. But it doesn't, it doesn't change their operational position, it doesn't change their challenges, and it doesn't change their long-term outlook, yeah. which still is very much challenged. I mean, these yeah. guys basically are squeezed on the left-hand side by Coles and on the right-hand side by Woolworths. And they're sort of lucky that um, Aldi has made some inroads and that's, for the time being, that's it. There's not a fourth player that would even yeah. take more market share of them. They're under pressure. I mean, Companies under pressure uh, usually don't perform longer term unless they can find a solution to the squeeze. And unfortunately, I mean, these guys have actually generated quite some bad news that I means they're losing customers, they're, mm-hmm. they're getting uh, competition on all ends. Um, I don't really see how they can become a better operator at some stage, because it's just a situation where they're in, it's, it's challenges left, right and center. Yep. I mean, and, I mean at, for sometimes, like in this situation, they're, they're being treated as a, as a relatively um, safe haven, defensive stock in the share market. But mm. once that overall risk of sentiment evaporates, people will just drop the stock again because um, in terms of growth, there's not much under yeah. the belt there.
1: Yeah. What do you
0: reckon, Colin?
2: Yeah, it's difficult to add anything uh, meaningful on top of what... Uh, Rudy said, "There, it's just a really difficult business to make money in. And look, its share price has been around the same level as now, or or even lower for you know five years or more. Essentially, it's one that you'd only buy really if you wanted to, uh, if you've got it at real lows and you wanted to hold it for a dividend yield. But even then, I just, I don't see it um, as being a great option. I really want the company to keep existing. I think what they add to our communities is really important." And i'm glad that they exist i just don't see them as a great money-making investment and i think things are probably only going to get a lot harder as we go into a recession and i think a lot of people will be hurting when we go into this recession that is going to occur and they're going to end up probably spending more of their money at say aldi and less of their money at this usually slightly more expensive um, local iga
1: okay um so do the other can the other bigger supermarkets have had a bit of a, a dream run. Yeah. Coles and Woolies really keep it up, though.
0: Well, no, not not in the way that they have 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 received the spoils now. But um, I mean, Australia still is an island, so I mean, it's it's almost miraculous that that Aldi has done what it's done so far here, because it's yeah. I mean, the, in in Europe, Aldi Aldi and Lidl are the I mean the super performers, but it's because they they can build out the network that. That reaches from Germany into the UK and, and and back into France and all the way around. Yeah. Here they're so far away from their from their home ground, and they obviously still. And we also have to point out when they entered the Australian market, the, the, the margins for for Woolworths and course were much higher. Yeah. So yeah. if anything, Aldi has has achieved is everyone's margins have have come to down to European levels. but, but still, this is still an island. Yeah and you will still not see uh, the same level of competition as the Dutch have, the UK has, and and the Americans have. So to a a large extent, the likes of Coles and Woolworths are sort of protected to a a certain extent, um, because you see, after all these years, they only have a market share that still is quite small. It's it's very difficult. But um, at the moment, they're obviously, um, it's a very defensive um, income stream they have. People, people need to buy food, people need to buy drinks. Um, it's not it's not a straightforward story because Woolworths also has um, uh, the liquor businesses and, and the hotels of course. But I think, I think there's actually another angle I, I would like to point out here. Too many people have too many banks in their portfolio mm-hmm. and that's because of the dividends. Yeah? Yep. If in the current circumstances if you're looking for an alternative for companies that are very unlikely to, to cut their dividends will grow them in the years ahead and, and still pay a relatively good yield with franking, then Coles and Woolworths would almost be the, 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 the most straightforward examples to to venture out out of having too many banks in your portfolio. I mean right. it's almost like a no brainer. Right. Okay. Uh Colin
2: uh, so I I agree that uh, Woolworths is a good company to own for the dividend. I also think that Uh, Woolworths and Coles will be uh, really good stalwarts uh, against Aldi, because I think they've done so very well in looking after the community throughout this stuff. I think it'll build their brand and and work their advantage for for another couple of years. Having said that, looking out longer term, Aldi is absolutely here to stay, and I would bet anything that in 10 years they have more market share than they do currently, and that is unequivocally
1: not a good thing for Coles yeah. and Woolworths. Okay. All right, our, um, our final stock, uh, another d- uh, Brisbane-based, I think it is, Data3. 3.
0: Data3. 3. Um, well, let, let me start with the conclusion. I'll buy Technology One anytime over Data3. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Claude, he's
1: only got two minutes <laughs> and he's determined to make you uh, the number two fanboy for Technology
0: One. Uh, data 3 probably is positioned in between RIPE and Technology One. Right. Um, oh, I mean, okay. it's, it's, a, it's, a typical, it's a typical software services provider, um, very vulnerable to um, customers' spending or not. That's why the share price has been so uh, volatile in the past because these guys, they their year Falls or stands by the fact that they get an extra an extra order here or there, yeah. big one. Um, my understanding is they've actually managed to um, manage that a little bit better, so they get more recurring income these days. But they're still not of the same ilk of a right. of, of technology one. So I would okay. again, my, yeah. my preference would be with technology one. But for for temporary rallies, uh, I mean, these guys can sometimes come in with a big order and the share price will respond okay. so accordingly.
1: Trading stock almost, uh, Claude.
0: Yeah, actually, I think
1: you've
2: uh, put your finger on that. This is probably one that you do want to be willing to trade based on valuation for me rather than charts. Actually, in a a previous role, uh, I recommended this to my clients a few years ago, and it's done very well since then. My father-in-law bought shares, and I think he still holds them, and he's done extremely well. But the key there is basically buying it when it's cheap and a little bit forgotten about because, as Rudy said, it can be quite cyclical. And, in fact, that comes through in the cash flow. So the half-year cash flow the first half sees this sort of massive uh, cash outflow, which then you expect to see all all come back um, in the second half, uh, which has to do with inventory levels as well. And, and that's testament to the fact that even though it is doing that transformation and becoming a little bit more about software and becoming more about cloud services, it still is very dependent on hardware, which makes me nervous uh, for, I guess, uh, the longer term because you know the future probably isn't yeah. software they're moving there but will there be some pickups on the way i uh, i suspect that there's a good chance that there will be and actually that at that time i've got to made a, make a note to myself because if there is a temporary hook uh up, i think i'd probably look by shares if they were if they were cheaper and look this is a company that does um historically pay a fairly reliable no it's not reliable but pays a fairly good dividend sometimes Now, it's not always reliable, so depending on the situation, it may go up or down. But the general trajectory is up. If you can buy it on a good dividend yield because the share price is is down because earnings have been flat or going down, and then things get a bit better, the dividend earnings go up. You'll see the share price go up again. You win twice because you get a bigger dividend. And then suddenly the market, because it looks sort of a bit more short term, uh, the market pushes the share price up, and, and you can take some profits at that point.
0: Okay. All right. As long as they don't cut their dividends,
1: then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So you'd prefer technology one to
2: data three, Claude? Yeah, I have to give it to Rudy. <laughs> I definitely
0: say that. There we go. Uh, technology one is better. Thanks, Claude. Yeah, I've done my job for the day. You've done your
1: job for the day. You've converted us. Go forward, my son, Claude. Um, <laughs> as a as a disciple of technology one, uh, that was terrific. Gee, the second half of the call today was, um, gee, you two are very negative on all of them Darcy and Gold, Ripe, uh, Bega, Metcash, Data3. Uh, but we started off pretty well too with MNF. Um, Claude liked it around the 350 mark. Both the guys like Magellan, didn't like Resolute Mining. Technology One, well, they're the disciples for it. So um, okay. it was a really interesting mix of stocks today. Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Mate, thank you for joining us again. Thoroughly enjoyed catching up with you. I'm Rudy uh, Philippic Van Dyke from FNA Arena. FNA Arena. Back Monday at uh, 12 pm, of course, with another 10 stocks. If you'd like to contribute to that list or suggest it, you can send in any stocks you want us to review. The call at ausbiz.com.au or you can do it through Twitter at ausbiztv. Great to have your company. A lot.